Hello, everyone, and welcome to another beautiful day. Or maybe not. I don't actually know what the weather is like wherever you are. This is the Broken Campfire Podcast. It's always sunny in cyberspace. It's it. It's never sunny in cyberspace. I mean, the, the sun, sun isn't real. I mean, but who can tell the difference? Fair. All right. Yeah. No, I. I think everybody's got a good point today. Wow, I'm excited for the lively discussion that's going to follow this. Uh, okay. How's everybody doing? Good. I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm all right. No, let's well. not worry about that. I'm your host, oh. Sandy. I'm joined by the three other hosts, the only three other hosts for this podcast, John, Flask, and Greg. Hi. Uh, yes, hello. Hey. We have a special guest who is not with us and never will be with us again. Is that confirmed? Videos off in Italy yet again. Um, yeah, I hope so, Flas. I'm, I'm waiting on some response from my lawyer to... Yeah, yeah I, I think it's safe to say yes. Gotcha. Uh, okay. What an episode we have for everybody today. I don't have no idea what we're about to talk about. It's going to be totally a surprise to me, which is sometimes the best kind of episode, but we didn't meet last week. We've got two weeks of stuff to talk about, both news and recent happenings in our own lives of video and other things. So without further ado, Greg, why don't you start us off? I, I think you were just telling me that you have a lot to talk about and that you're worried, actually, that you're going to take up the whole podcast time with your segment. And also that it might be a little offensive. It might be audiences. a little racy. Yeah, it might be might 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 have a certain edge to it. Oh uh, yeah, actually, I have a decent amount to talk about. Uh, I've been watching a lot of anime this uh this week uh, with this... with my pal Eric. But I'm but I was told I'm told under week, NDA I'm not allowed to talk about it. Oh, so I'll just okay. talk about my video game. <laughs> Phew. Hey, how's Eric doing? Uh Eric's all right. He's uh. He's, you know. Same old. Yeah. I can't really cool. say it on air, but you know. <laughs> hey, I'm with you. Uh, so instead, uh, I've been playing a video game uh, called Shadows of Doubt. It is a, uh, yes. uh, it's a, it's a sandbox detective stealth game where you're in a, uh, a, like a voxel-based uh, procedurally generated city, and you're a private investigator, and you... Uh, solve crimes like murders, the uh, like uh, stuff getting stolen. Uh, came out a few days ago. Uh, a couple people, a couple of us have played it. I think me I, uh, and John I have played like, the really demo, played a decent amount of it. And I played the demo and talked about it during the last Steam Fest. I talked about it on the podcast actually. Yes, um, I, I I do remember you talking about it. I was like, oh, I didn't, I didn't even know cool. it had come out. Uh, yeah, it came out in early access. Um, oh, okay. I've been, uh, I have, I think, uh, 12 hours in it, 11 hours in it. Uh, I've done a few murder cases. Uh, I've, I'm on one right now that I'm like in the middle of solving, but I haven't finished yet. Uh, pretty cool game. I really like this, uh, the idea of, uh, like this whole solving murders, uh, biz. Very fun. And it's genuinely pretty immersive just because of all the 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 mechanisms in place, you know, right? 
Yeah, I've, uh, there's a lot of stuff, uh, like, in there, like, uh, for my first murder, or my first murder case, I ended up going to this, uh, this house that I, uh, they called in, and somebody had walked into their house with a gun and just shot the person dead and left, but there was no recording of it, and the only thing I had to go on was, uh, like a thumper, or, uh, like a thumbprint, so I had to, like, find this person's job and do all this stuff. It was very fun. Very fun. So, I mean, for really though, like how, how do you go about that when you have so little specific information? Uh, yeah. So you just, you, you it's like a real detective game. You go around, you, uh, you have a, uh, you walk around, you collect evidence. You, uh, can take fingerprints of the, uh, okay. around the world. There's, uh, six cameras. You can, you get, you get this whole, uh, Met like a, a whole case board that you're able to uh, inspect stuff and uh, any evidence you find, you can pin it to the uh, the task board if you want to go back to it later. When I watched you a little bit, I did really like that the whole vibe of uh, stringing sticky notes and Polaroid pictures together with like yarn and something to like try to build a case on a wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like that stuff. It's very, yeah, uh, very more fun for your benefit. It's not really anything you have to do. It's just for you to keep things together, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I've also been playing this game. I enjoy it. Uh, yeah, to kind of answer your question, Andy. I mean, there's there's a lot of avenues you can go through. You know, there's uh, security cameras that kind of take pictures in like five minute intervals that you can check. Um, you know, you you get like the like like CCTV on the street. You mean like see who was around the area? At the well, time it it's happened. not like live like feed. Like I said, it's like a still picture. Like every right. like five minutes in games, you can kind of see who came by, and sometimes you can catch somebody on there. Um, you know, if you uh, because you know, there's different difficulties, and different difficulties will give you like different amounts of information and stuff. Right. You know, sometimes you just have to if you suspect somebody, but you can't really find them or get their information. Maybe you can sometimes you can find like somebody's house, but they're just like fucking gone. They're hiding out. You know, maybe in their house you'll find a receipt to like a gun shop, and then you go to the gun shop and you find out they bought a gun, you know, or the same type that like shot the person. So you're like, all right, I'm I'm pretty fucking sure this person did it now. Like I just gotta find them. Um How do you how do you resolve a case? Do you have to like convince somebody that this guy is it or is it possible for you to arrest you get a, uh, you get a case form from uh the town hall and then you fill out all the information there uh you can also which is optional you can ar- arrest the uh the suspect yourself and that'll well, give you a uh, bonus points but when, when he says all the information it's, it's it, there's five things they ask for they they ask for uh who the killer is uh what the mm-hmm. weapon was mm-hmm. uh how you can tie them to that weapon uh, where, where they, they live. live, and then I think the fifth one are, is optional to arrest them. Um, yeah, once you in, you know once you input those things, you go to city hall, you turn your form in, and then yeah, the game will tell you if you were you were right or wrong. Okay, interesting. Um, another thing I kind of picked up is that you guys are maybe kind of dirty cops. Well, no, you're not even like a cop at all. Um, I, I guess maybe in the first like tutorial mission, you no, nah, actually, I don't even think you are. Technically, you're a private investigator, so you, you know, like when you when there is like a crime scene, like a murder, you know, and, and in this world, it's kind of like dystopian mega corporations. So it's not like there's police. There's like Walmart security. You know what I mean? The, but the, the corporation is called Starch Cola. Um, 
But yeah, so when there's like a murder and, you know, it's not like you can just walk on to like the, in the apartment and like look at it with the police. Like if you walk in there, they'll be like, what the fuck are you doing? And like, you know, try to arrest you or shoot you. You're doing all this kind of like sneakily, um, you know, so you have to like break in to the crime scene after they've kind of like uh, taped it off and then kind of get your work done and, and sneak out of there and stuff. Every building has like an entire vent network that you can climb through and... Um, kind of, uh, that's all like procedurally generated and a lot of them True. end up, uh, just being well, messed up. Well, I mean, all the buildings like, have one, not necessarily every, you know, um, room or, you know, uh, house will have an enterable one, but every building does have a vent system. And you sometimes have to avoid like, uh, you know, cameras that can be alerted or can, that can alert the police. And then if they do, you then have a certain amount of time to like get out, get out of Dodge. Yeah, I mean, there's just tons of, like, you know, if you have somebody's name or something and you want to maybe find their fingerprints and more information about them, uh, you know, you can look up where every, anybody lives, there's a city directory, and especially just like a phone book, and you can look up where they live, you know, you can go there, and once you find their work, you can go to their work, and then if you can find, you know, you gotta do a little breaking in, but if you find their personnel files, you know, they'll have, like, their fingerprints on file and how much, you know, money they make, which isn't always a big uh, one, but sometimes that helps. Just different information. Yeah, you just kind of use it all to, to narrow it down. And then you can just ask random people on the street, like, have you seen anything strange? And, you know, it kind of... Uh, I haven't figured this out exactly, but usually they'll they'll point you kind of towards, like, a direction they, they were in the last day or two. Sometimes it's not helpful at all. Sometimes it kind of leads you uh, maybe to somebody else who was like, oh, yeah, I've seen them talking with so-and-so. And then you kind of look at that person and you go from there. And there is also uh, like combat, although the impression I got was that you don't really want to ever enter combat. You know, you don't want to have to do that with people. Yeah, you can yeah, you can like punch really. people and knock them out. There's no. I, so I heard that, not heard. I guess I, I, I secondhand read that the the you know developer said that you can't kill people in the game because it would fuck up like the procedural generated like oh this person goes to here on this day and, and works with this person huh. if somebody like unscripted you know outside of a murder dies it would just like blow that up you can like knock people out uh, but you you can't kill anybody right now or or i he didn't plan to have that in That's uh, which is fine um, are you ever like kind of running against the clock to solve the crime before the cops do uh, no, I believe the killers will kill again. Like they do, do continue to kill as time goes on. If you don't like solve the case in time, but the cops mm. usually uh, when they they just set up the crime scene and a cop just sits outside and kind of hangs out, sucks off. Yeah, typical. Cool. Is there a uh, consequence? What's the consequence? I forget for for fingering the wrong person. Uh, you just suspect. get a penalty. Okay. With, like, your money. Um, or at least that's all That's all I've noticed. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm enjoying the game, but there are some major bugs with it. So, I mean, it's an early access. What are you going to do? But uh, there there are definitely are bugs in the game that can just totally ruin your progress. And, and there are just small ones, too, that are inconvenient. Uh, I ran into one where, you know, the directory... The city directories, you know, like I said, a phone book. And anytime you kind of hear a name or, or like a building or like a business, you can go there and you can look it up uh, and, you know, find where the address is. Mine was bugged where when I would go to open it, 
it would just open another like random note that I had gotten earlier in the game. And I mean, once that happens, I mean, not really not much you can do. It's not what I wanted sure. at all. It seems like a really cool game. Uh, I'm digging the vibe, the aesthetic, the the whole thing when I'm watching you guys play. For sure. Yeah, and also it's worth yeah, noting I that really the, dig it. the aesthetic of the city is like a like a slightly dystopic uh, cyberpunky sort of thing. There's neon, low res, noir, voxels. Yeah, it's like aliens. a sci-fi uh, noir. Cool. Glad you are Thanks. enjoying it. Yeah, I dig it. Uh, that's really all I've been doing. Uh, so, yeah, that's me. Cool. That's great. Shadow of Doubt. Guess we'll probably expect to hear a little bit more about that as you get further in. Um, okay, well, John, I think you're like, you put in like twice as, well, I'm moving over to you next anyway, John, but you put in like twice the time that Greg has playtime wise, I think. Are you, uh, nearing the, end of your experience or you feel like you're just getting started or, or where are you at um i know that's kind of a hard question yeah i mean i guess you're just playing the game to have fun but the the overarching end goal is to uh rise through um you know do these cases and kind of get your citizen score up and um you, you want to get to, they just have like a number one to ten scale, and you want to get to ten, and then you get to go to the field, which is where like good citizens go to retire. <laughs> uh, and right now I have a game where I am at uh, like level six, um, which sounds like a little more than halfway, but really on the bar, it's probably around like the 40% area. So, I mean, I still have a lot more cases to solve. I did bring up the concern at the end of my talking about the demo that I, I was concerned that perhaps the game's, um, I don't know, fun factor or engagement wouldn't uh, be maintained just because of the procedurally generated nature of, of the cases and like doing the same sorts of activities too often. Uh, so I'm curious to hear once you guys get like to the end of your, um, you know, your playtime with the game, how you have felt about that. If you felt it was able to, uh, maintain that level of engagement for you considering how the game is constructed you know oh for sure that's always kind of my fear for overly procedurally generated things you know what i mean mm -hmm. like i'm not saying this game is overly procedurally generated don't get me wrong but the f the fact that like when you say like it's not like a real story or like there's you know the main plot or whatever is procedurally generated I tend to assume it's going to be not great, but um, this is a like a specific kind of roguelike detective game where that can totally work. I'm not saying the game is bad because of that, but I'm saying a lot of words that amount to I'm with you, Flask. Yeah. Like, is the is the loop in this roguelike, roguelike such that... Um, you can just keep playing it forever, you know, like, like you could just get fun out of the game indefinitely. I don't know. We will see. We will see. Okay. John, what else are you up to though? Other than shadow of doubt. I have been on a movie movie rampage you might call it 
Uh, well, yeah, you'll you'll see. So let's let's start in chronological order. I seen Renfeld, uh, Nick Cage. Oh uh, uh, yeah, I just watched that guy. actually. A uh, Nicholas Holt. Nicholas Holt, Nick Cage. Uh, this is where Nick Cage plays Dracula, and this is like a dark comedy and slash action, which I did not expect, but I was not disappointed in um, movie and. Um, this guy is kind of like Dracula's familiar, but he's like tired of it. And he's kind of like, he goes to this, you know, um, like codependent relationship, like, uh, help, like support talk place. Yeah. Support group. Uh, that's pretty and, fun. Uh, you know, and then there's like a side plot with the cop, but I didn't like as much. Um, who is Aquafina, the, the rapper. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of Aquafina either. Um, overall, I actually really enjoyed this movie. I, I, I didn't see it. Got, it got like mid reviews. I think people were like, Oh, it's fine. Whatever. Um, but I, I think of all the movies I'm about to explain or, or detail that I had seen, I think I might like this one the best or Ooh. like, like watch it again. I don't think I'm going to watch any other movies I talked about or I'm going to talk about again. Um, interesting. I, I haven't oh, yeah. heard of this movie, but this movie like seems rad as fuck. I mean, Nick Cage is Dracula. That, that, <laughs> that's a lot of fun. And I like, I really like the spin of like the familiar who's just sick of it. I yeah, could Nick be Cage a little biased, but while I was playing or while I was watching it, I was thinking this is the exact tone I want for uh, our Vampire the Masquerade. Oh yeah, it would okay. perfectly <laughs> summarize exactly what I would want. Okay, I believe I what the movie. director or producers or whatever said was that the tone they were aiming for was similar to uh, what we do in the shadows. And that was movie. my previous inspiration. I had said yeah. definitely. Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of, my impression was like more in line with the general mid impression. Um, but what I actually felt was that there was a better movie in there somewhere, but there was something about the editing that I felt like, was this movie reconstructed at one point? Like it, it had that Mm. feeling, you know how you can tell sometimes when a movie has been not necessarily reshot, but re-edited. Like there was a, there was a cut of the film that maybe didn't please somebody and then it went back into the editing room and was shuffled around. Um, I know 100% that feel it's funny enough at, at yeah. work today I was reviewing a document with a group and we were like or, and I should say they were like why does this read like this? And I came in with I'm pretty sure that this reads like they had a draft and that this sentence was in the earlier draft and they forgot to take it out. <laughs> But yeah, yeah. I, I get that vibe entirely. And it's it it's not the the uh it's not the stink that most movies like that have. Like I think this still ends up being like John is saying, still ends up being an entertaining movie. Um but there's definitely something about it that struck me that way. And especially there's a <laughs> there's like a uh credits montage of of uh like still images, and there's like mm-hmm. a whole scene in the credits montage that is just not depicted in the film proper so i think there really was like a different film initially that was that was changed but like john said a lot of action very gory um a lot of cgi blood which is you know it's it's all right it it does the job but uh very very actiony very gory um well, i'm seeing ben schwartz plays a mob guy yes yeah his classic That's sort a... of gene ralphio sort of yeah. character. <laughs> 
I was gonna say I, I got a weakness for Ben Schwartz. Uh, <laughs> he's he's a little annoying. Like I I could see lens lens where he's starting to get annoying, but I'm a big mm-hmm. fan. Fun guy. Did you have anything else to say about it, John? Sorry, I kind of <laughs> co-opted the discussion. No, 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 no. That's how I feel about Renfield. They give it one thumbs up and one thumb like uh, crooked, but also up. Like a 45 degree. degree. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Next. Well, 45 degree would be like in the middle. I think he's saying it's like crooked up. So it would be like a 60 degree angle. Sure. Sure. Uh, uh, Next one. Probably actually, I actually forgot about this in the list. Uh, I enjoyed it as much as Renfield. Maybe as much. I still stand by what I said before, but I, d- I just forgot about this movie. Uh, I went and seen, which I guess doesn't make it sound that good, but it was. Uh, I seen the <laughs> D&D movie. Ah, uh, yes. I really liked that oh, I forgot you haven't seen that yet. Uh, I know Flash um, talked about it at some length last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd seen it. I, I uh, enjoyed this movie. Like I said, it wasn't anything amazing, but uh, I, I did like it, and I'd probably watch it again. There was, there was just a lot of fun scenes where you could... You know, I walked into the movie. I didn't know. I really didn't know much about it besides a D and D movie. I didn't know if they're going to go the route where, like, you know, they start it and it's just a bunch of like, well, it's just Chris Pine, but he has like a like a little fat suit on and like glasses, you know, and he's at a table and he's playing D and D with his friends, <laughs> and then it zooms into the table. You know, I don't know if it was going to go that real life framing or device. Play it straight, exactly. Um, it started, starts with a guy having an argument with his wife, and as he's pulling pizza rolls out of the oven, he's like, "Honey, I just." I need to do this every week, and you see, you follow him with a plate of pizza rolls down into the basement where we see big name actors like Chris Pine and such. Exactly, exactly. Uh, but they didn't go there. They played a straight early in the the world of Dungeons and Dragons, but I still think they did a great job of of having scenes that that you could see, like as you know, as like a, a as a player or as a dungeon master, you could see like, oh, this is exactly how that would go down, or like. Yeah, that's a stupid thing a player would right. do. Right, absolutely. You know, without making it like, you know, zooming out of the table and go like, critical hit, you know. But it still hit, I think, all the D&D uh, beats. Um, there wasn't yeah, any yeah, scene, scenes where the guy... Down. Was there any scenes where the guy starts arguing with God about the outcome of his role? Like, how did, no, how did that no, not no, hit what's him? What's so amazing how, about the movie is that... Like, it, like, like he stares at the sky and yells, how did that not hit him? <laughs> not that I recall. But um, that's what's so amazing to me about the movie is that it manages to find that perfect balance between too much, like that would be a little too much, a little too meta, and not enough where, like John is saying, and like I said last time I talked about this movie, it really nails that feeling of like, this is a D&D party, they're in their world, fully immersed in their world, there's no meta stuff, and no references to outside context. But it nails those elements that, like you, you as the a person familiar with D and D and the the everything that goes along with that, you can identify those things as the viewer, and you're like, oh, I see what you're doing there. You know that makes sense. Like John's saying that, you know, it you could totally see it happening in a game. This this is kind of a tone shift, but like, well, I haven't seen the movie yet. But one thing that has me looking forward to it, like even if it's ultimately, you know. Chips are down a mid movie. Uh, I really in love with the fact that it's a big name movie that doesn't 
that that is bucking the trend, you might say, of quippy, ironic, self self referential Marvel humor. Yes, me too. Jesus, yeah. We need more movies like this again. Yes, please. Sorry, yeah, John. Definitely good in. Um, I think the average person, I think they would still enjoy this movie, but I, I do think that, yeah, if you, I mean, you play D&D or you, you're in the culture, you probably will get something a little extra out of it. Um, I'm, yeah. cu- I'm curious, like, how how much were you able to self-insert into it? Like, were there parts where you're like, oh, yeah, for context for the listeners, me and John just finished, we were both players in a year plus, a year and some change campaign. Were you were you ever like, oh yeah, this feels like something that happened in Arcanum? For sure. Well, a small example is it's the very first scene in the movie, or one of the first. I don't think it's really spoilers, but there, there's a you know a scene where they're trying, not not even trying. So their their plan is to try and escape, but the the uh, the people that are holding them are going to let them go. Like they've already made it in their mind. They're like, yeah, whatever, you guys can leave. Um, but. You know the 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 characters have already made this crazy escape plan and like execute it by like jumping out the window and kidnapping somebody, and I could totally see that. And you know, like one of our Canon games, like Peter in his head is like, "All right, they're just gonna ask this guy to leave, and he's gonna say yes." But instead, mm-hmm. you know, we transform somebody <laughs> into a you know, bug and then have him climb through the window and then open the roof. And yeah, you're like you know, just stuff like that. <laughs> that time when yeah, that time when Peter spent many hours building this giant dungeon and we spent an, an almost an entire session stuck in the, like one of the rooms. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. But a, like a fairly simple solution. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, yeah. Exactly. Stuff like that. And, you know, just a little, little things like that throughout the movie. Uh, they, yeah, I could definitely see it happening in our campaign. Something I don't think I mentioned last time is like even the, the backstory that's related about the characters is related in a way that I could see, Again, it's not it's not dull at all. It's it's effective, but it's related in the way that you could see a player delivering their character's backstory. It's like very sort of matter of fact. Like then this happened. Then this happened. Uh, this yeah. is why I am the way I am. You know, like like you you need to establish that at the table early right. on, so that everybody knows what your character's deal is. So yeah, it is it uh, it hits those notes. I'm glad yeah, the marketing so for it hasn't been annoying. Like I haven't seen one fake ad piece where they said something like the writers played a game of D and D and really wrote what actually happened in the game. <laughs> like right. uh their own little um oh what's it called? Dragon Lance or like Record of Lodos War or something like that. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Literally turning your campaign into the media. Or Disco Elysium. Or Disco Elysium, yeah. Um yeah, Dungeons and Dragons. Pretty, pretty good. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Um, I'm planning to see it soon. Oh, it's did your streaming. nephew demand the Super Mario Brothers movie? <laughs> no, actually, we haven't been. We haven't had a chance to go. Oh, okay. Uh, my mom recently had back surgery. She's she's fine. Everything's good. But um, going stuff like going to the movie films is is on hold for now. I see. Well, I'll segue into my next movie. I seen the Super Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> wow, you 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 really had a hit list, huh? You, you you hit them all. Oh, you don't even know, bro. Um, 
I don't even know what to say about this movie. I mean, it was fine. It was like exactly what you expect. Hmm. Um, that doesn't bode well for me. <laughs> I mean, if you're, I mean, it's a movie for children. If you're a child, I have no doubt in my mind you would probably very much enjoy this. Right. Yeah, Mario jumping around, a lot of, a lot of bright colors, a lot of big sounds. <laughs> um, I got the impression I mean, from like pre-release that whoever was making a fuss about like aspects of the film not being up to their standards was probably going to be proven wrong just by the fact that the movie would be so middle of the road and crowd pleasing that like you can't really take issue with stuff about it because it just it is what it is you know it's for kids it's like that's what I'm saying there's yeah. something I, I can't think of anything I was like well that's stupid or like why do they do that I mean, it was just like a like just a kids movie right so it just did it by the books it was fine I give it a one thumbs up one thumb sideways. Well, the okay. real the thumb the thumb metric, while it might work for almost every movie, I'm afraid it won't quite work for me. I need you to contextualize how you feel about this movie in relation to the Mario movie. I give it three and a half power up mushrooms out of five. All right, does that? Does that mean you liked it more than John Leguizamo's Mario, Luigi, whatever? Oh, uh, it's been such a long time since I've seen that one. I mean, yeah, it's a better movie than that. Okay. I mean, that one will probably scare kids, and this one kids will enjoy. So, it's a fucking weird uh, movie. I I will say though, incidentally, the mushroom power up rating system that 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 was a very clear description. I appreciate that. Thank you, thank you. I feel like a gaming magazine in the '90s definitely used that metric exactly. Oh, absolutely. Maybe even Nintendo Power at some point. Who knows? Maybe. Did they did they review Nintendo games? I don't. I don't, I don't even. I, I never yeah, got so Nintendo Power. Yeah, they they did everything Nintendo. Did they ever give them a bad score? No. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I don't mean, know. <laughs> I want to. I want a modern day version of that. Like, I want to go to Nintendo.com slash reviews to see why all their games are nines or tens. Uh, so yeah, Super Mario Brothers, one thumb up, one thumb sideways. And then to go even further beyond, i seen John Wick 4. Jesus nice. Christ. Oh, um, wait, this is lower on the list. You, Flask, I think, walked away with a fairly positive opinion. I, dude, I mean, I didn't... Positive for the John Wick series. Okay. I, yeah, I didn't want sure. my money back wait, or anything. Here's okay, the thing. I've seen John Wick 1. I've seen John Wick 2. I don't remember that much. Did not see John Wick 3. Not that you really need to see these movies to know the story. Um, but at some point, and I don't know when it happened, the goofiness, I don't remember being there in John 1, the goofiness popped up a few notches. Um, at some point, they got these Kevlar suits that are just immune to bullets. Yeah. So like, most of the movie, you know, it's well, not most of the movie, but there are several scenes where John Wick is just, like, standing like five feet away from a guy and they're just shooting each other back and forth like pistols just like holding their sleeves up to their face like you can't get me you just gonna shoot my shirt like like the like the force of the bullet is still not like wrecking their body and that, that yeah, part is a little mean, silly uh no fall damage um no 
<laughs> I don't remember that in other movies, but especially in this movie. Well, I guess the on the last movie because they showed a little recap. Yeah, the no fall damage ended, really reared its head in the in the third one. Yeah, definitely into the fourth one. But like I said, as I started watching, and as I because at first I didn't even because like I said, it, 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 I don't think it was in the first one at all. I really don't. The suits with the Kevlar, the super Kevlar suits. Um, and when I was watching the scene, I was like, are they just missing? Like that fucking Resident Evil, like the CGI fight, and then oh, I was like, no, because they're, they're you, hitting each other. Because you hadn't seen the scene establishing their suits, you were yeah, just like, exactly. what's going on? Yeah, because they're just like running like two feet from you, just shooting. And I'm like, well, yeah, what is going on? <laughs> they're then, all firing. Then, hey, I don't know. I kind of went in, and then you know, it's all, first of all, it's a long movie, and they really could have cut some of it. But once I realized, I was like, all right, we're just we're just in for a goofy ride here. Uh-huh. Um. It became more enjoyable, really. And you know, people can make this. You know, they people think they throw around this a lot. It's really just, it's just Western anime. It's all it is, dude. Pretty much. Yeah. The vibe like, I'm getting is that like John Wick is gonna. <laughs> uh, it it has a similar trajectory to the Fast and Furious franchise. I wouldn't say it's that goofy. Well, but it's only on number four. You know what I'm saying? That's like, true. But even eventually, they're getting pretty crazy. Yeah, that's true. Um, and also, I think this... I mean, I, I think they're going to have spinoffs, but this could be the last one. Uh, I mean, obviously, they left the door open. They're never going to close that door, but this could be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I... And also, I watched this movie, and I don't think it's disaffected it, but I also went to see it at like 9.45, and it's a three-hour movie. So I was, I was uh, kind of tired by the time I walked out, but... Mm-hmm. It's more like a delirious, like this is just funny, tired. Three-hour John Wick movie? Yeah, well, it's like two hours and like 50 minutes or something. I don't think it's exactly three hours. I do agree with John that it could probably have been cut down some. I gotta say, like, I I respect John Wick. I don't have any problem with it, but I've never been a Wickhead. Like, I saw all the movies. I've seen all... I've seen John Wick 1 through 3. I don't remember almost anything about him. And... Yeah. I don't have... I don't... They hit me in like a oh that's cool, spot. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> you you seen this flask? John we talked about it the last pod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was I not there in the last pod? Or I just I, was I don't know. Scrolling. I don't know. Yeah, uh, Fla- I didn't really flask also talked a lot about the dog. I, I feel like they were like forced in, and I mean uh, I didn't hate the character. I just didn't feel like they needed to be in the movie. Yeah, felt like just weird. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't really and have... I never like, explained how he kept, like, finding John. It was just, like, this super character who could, and, like, Omni-S, like, always, I know where John Wick is. Yeah, that's true. I didn't really... I don't know. I didn't really have any feelings about the character because I kept expecting something more to be made of him, I guess. And then right, exactly. kind of And by wasn't. the end, I was like, what was the point? Yeah. So I just well, kind of, like, I think forgot. the whole point was, I, I think, spinoff material. I think they're going to do a spinoff movie. With Certainly. Them. Could be. Yeah. Um, yeah, John Wick was fine. I give it thumbs up or something. I don't know. He's break down when you put them all next to each other. And then finally, to cap it off, a movie that was three hours and a movie I I really don't even know how to talk. I really don't even know how to talk about. I could try, but I wait. What movie? I can't sum it up. It was called Bo is Afraid. Oh, you <laughs> uh, had Joaquin Phoenix. This was a three-hour movie, and 
I don't Flash, have you seen this? Not yet. I think I'm well. I think I am going to, but not yet. Um and oh, I, I, the only thing I could possibly get close to, to, to describing it is like maybe because like I, I don't even know what the movie was about. Like I've seen it and I know it's too smart for me, I guess. But just maybe a person's neuroses and anxiety like manifested in real life, perhaps. It's it's the only thing I can think of, and I don't even know if I'm close. That is the impression I got just from the very scant information I know. But about even if it. that's true, it's still then like uh, none of it still adds up to me. I wanted somebody else to watch it. So I mean I did go see it with a bunch of people. We also seen it pretty late at night, so we didn't have like a get together and talk about it afterwards. But I left just like I, I couldn't even like describe like I always think of, like the weirdest movie I can think of, like something like um like rubber, you know, the one with the tire like rolls around. Yeah. <laughs> like I could describe that movie to somebody. I can't describe Bo is Afraid. Like I don't even know where to start. I mean I could describe it to you like scene by scene, but like okay. and I couldn't like gather up like a theme or like a like a narrative going on. Did you so enjoy I should the experience? Watch it and come back with like a I mean it was three hours explains. and at no point I yeah, I would like that or I'm gonna have to look up a video <laughs> or something. It was three hours, it was late, but at no point would I look at my phone and think, I wish this would hurry up. It was just so strange and I was just so much of like where is this gonna go next? And yeah, it was it was enjoyable. Okay. Uh Andy, you said it is Ari Aster, right? Yeah. Okay. And he's the guy who did Midsummer? And hereditary. Yeah, so Midsummer and um Hereditary, hereditary Guy. Okay. Which okay. Uh, I know and, and to give the background, I've not seen Hereditary and Midsummer. I watched twenty minutes of when we were watching it together and I said this is boring as fuck. <laughs> and I just went to I just went to sleep. I think I didn't even do anything. I else liked hereditary. This. I, yeah, I, I only I've actually hereditary. only seen hereditary. I haven't seen Midsummer. Same. I, I have not seen Midsummer. I've only seen Hereditary, but I really like Hereditary. I thought it was it it, it is not what sounds like this is a very surreal, artsy movie. Hereditary is not really that at all. It's pretty Yeah, like, Bo's Afraid is not at all a horror film, right? It's just a, like, psychological trip. Kind of. I mean, some people would might call it a horror film. Not uh, like horror as in, like, they're murder, but I, I would say Suspend. in certain senses but like, it is a horror Like, existentially. Yeah. But, like, how, it, how yeah. it's shot and stuff. Like, is it, like, shot like a horror film? You know, with, like... You know yeah, no, certainly, certainly, yeah, okay. scenes, that, yeah, they're, they're meant to, just the way they're angled, or, or just, yeah. yeah, the way they're drawn in, or just meant to put a, a sense of dread in you, for sure. Right, okay, interesting. Yeah. We'll have um, to check it well, out. Yeah, that, I'm, I'm, yeah, I want someone else to check it out. That one sounds really uh, interesting. It's, it's definitely a wild one, and that, that is the final movie. Okay. Damn. You, but this uh, Friday, real, I've real actually film I've just been going week. to see movies on Fridays with my friends. We're going to see. I know nothing about it. I only heard uh, the briefest kind of like overview, just like Finnish guy kills Nazis. Um, but it's a movie called Sisu. Sisu. S i s u. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Um, and I think we're gonna try and see that Friday. Cool. That sounds okay. uh, pretty neat. The movies are back, baby. Yeah, I tell some, you, when every time we go to the movie, obviously we go on Friday and going at night, so it's probably you know the most popular time or you know one of them. Um, they've been fucking popping like straight packed, huh? And I really? expected to go there and kind of you know go to the movies anymore because I haven't in in years. But uh, people are back to the movies. I tend to go when the least amount of people will be there as possible. 
That is the smartest. We usually got to wait till Alex is out of work and everyone's right, doing stuff. Right. So we usually go late. I buy my tickets the day before. I'm that guy. I don't nah, go man, to I fucking theaters. hate assigned Fuck seating, that. dude. This fucking shit's bullshit. I had to watch, we had to watch Bo's Afraid in the fucking front row, dude. And it was like a hyper front row. Dude, I love <laughs> so assigned like, seating uh, because you can just make sure that never happens. You were like well, yeah, Alex in, the day um, ahead. in one in uh and uh Clockwork Orange. Where you're just Pretty like <laughs> Well luckily these seats reclined, so it was more like I was like laying down, just looking straight up at a screen. Even better. <laughs> just being subjected to it eventually, to it. but bathed if in there it. was something going on in the left or right side of the screen, you would have to like shake your you know, shift mm-hmm. your head a little bit. I mean technology is to the point now where like Right before you leave, you can go to the theater website and, like, see what seats are available for that show and just reserve them before you leave. It's crazy. Yeah. All right, sorry. Sorry, that's my movie experiences. That's all I got. Cool. Well, thanks for filling this up on what's going on with the movie. There's a lot of... You know, you had mixed feelings about some of them. Maybe you didn't love any of them. I don't know. But uh, I don't think there were any real stinkers in there. No. no yeah, even no, Mario was so. like, you know, just yeah, we know what it, that is, you know. Yeah. Cool. Let me check the time. Yeah, okay. We've got plenty of time. I will go ahead and deliver onto you my roundtable. I hope I've got you a few do things deliver. to talk about. <clears throat> Video game wise, I bought War Tales to play with Vito. We played it for like two hours, and we haven't had a chance to play since, and now I'm playing it single player. This game is, uh, if you take a Mountain Blade Warband, but give it a Divinity XCOM, what's the word for that, strategy RPG, uh, movement on a grid kind of combat. Would that be called like tactical something? Tactical RPG, yes, that's that's the word, yeah. Or I get yeah, I guess the word has kind of become more general over the years. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm enjoying it. I think. Um, I don't even talk about this game. It's it's pretty fun. Greg, you're also playing it with a group. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we really. Yeah. We haven't really gotten that far in it. We haven't played in the last... We played, like, a little bit a few days ago. But other than that, I haven't really played that much. So the game, uh, for me and my taste, it, it's a good, good fun action. Um, none of it's procedurally generated from what I can tell. Well, actually, okay, some there are some radiant quests, but um, for the most part, it seems to be crafted. But uh, there's no real obvious main plot. You are kind of just like going around and like you you discover quests and they do tie together. But um, you're just kind of going around and seeing what's going on in this world as a band of mercenaries trying to gain clout and money. Um, the fights kind of scale with you in the sense that I, I'm playing on region locked leveling, but even still. How many people I have in my party is pretty dynamic. That's maybe like the biggest difference between this and like a Divinity or an XCOM is that you can have uh, as many troops of yours that you want out on the field. You can oh. recruit. I have, I've got 10 guys in my party right now, which is a lot. You can recruit like 30 
at some point. The fight Damn, skill with, with what? I didn't know yeah. that money. Holy shit! I'm pretty I sure guess you, where, that's where I, part of the mountain blade comparison comes in. Yeah, more dynamic that's where dynamic control over from. your forces. Yeah, I mean, I see it as a game you're supposed to like go around and loot up, uh, you know, and gain more power, but also become a larger mercenary troop. Um, that being said, it has some gameplay consequences, right? So, like, I I felt like I had to get ten people in my party because there are ten professions in the game. A profession is like a miner or a cook or a um alchemist. You, there are people who can craft specific things or perform certain actions, do certain masseuse. things that they, yeah, a masseuse. Do certain things at the back of the camp to help the group out. Uh, there and there are dungeons you can kind of explore that do require you to have a lot of professions to proceed. So you're incentivized to do that. That being said, I feel like the game has kind of lost a little bit of the thunder for me when I'm managing ten units on the field because things just slow down so much. Like it's a oh. different kind of problem, but it's it's fun. Like trying to optimize. Where you put ten guys on the field, you know what I mean. But by necessity, because the battles become much larger, like the enemies are always going to have some number around or greater than yours. So if I have ten people in my troop, that means I'm, I'm probably going to be running into bandit troops with like you know eight to twelve. You know what I mean? Yeah. So wait, when you're cooperative, are you cooperatively managing the same mercenary team? So it, you are the same, the game recognizes you as essentially the same mercenary group, but um, you guys practically have two separate groups that combine together in combat. Okay. So on the over map, you control different tokens, with, you control different moving parties of people, and you each kind of like can recruit into your party uh, or the other, you know what I mean? I see. So you do both have the management experience, but you're still one entity. It's not like I can go over and do a fight that Vito isn't in. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not that freeform like divinity. I think honestly, I could see me playing this all the way through the finish on single player, but I, I fear that I'm going to get burned out before I do. So I really think I'm just going to stop playing this until me and Vito have time to play it more together. Uh, I don't want to get too burned out on it. You know what I mean? Sure. And that's how you, you know, keep games fresh oftentimes when they're not super captivating is that you play it with somebody else and then that keeps you going, you know, that keeps you energized. Yeah, I mean, if, like, I really like managing six people, then when me and Vito play together and our party size is 12, then we both have this main six people experience, maybe. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. It's like a practical reason why it's right. nicer. Okay, in other video game news, Deceive Inc. had a free weekend. Uh, I played it a bunch, and then I bought it. <laughs> You've been deceived. Yeah, yeah nice, maybe, nice one. Maybe I have. Uh, the numbers for the game are okay. Like, it doesn't seem like there's a... It doesn't seem like a dead game problem, but matchmaking takes forever. I'm just going to say the front. That's like the only thing I don't like about the game. It take, feels like it takes me, like... It's probably, like average of three to five minute downtime in between games which like first world problems and all but like most games are a lot, a lot faster than that these days you know what i mean hmm. 
and this is a uh, this is a Kurt joint. This is a Kurt game. Yeah, so he. I, uh, it's fair to call this a Kurt joint. Yes, he would be the deceiver if anybody. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so in Deceive Inc., we've maybe talked about it before because I had a beta weekend. You and up to two of your friends play as spies in a variety of different maps, a city, a laboratory, etc., who have to go around the map um, finding vault terminals, deactivating them, to then access the vault to steal the package and escape. It's a PvPve experience where if you reveal yourself, so all of you are spies, and you enter as a random civilian disguise. Um, if you reveal yourself, NPC guards will shoot you, but also other players will be incentivized to shoot you too. You win when all the other players are dead, or you get the package and escape. It is basically a modernized version of the Assassin's Creed Brotherhood multiplayer, mm -hmm. um, but more complex. And I forget if Brotherhood had like classes, but this one has classes. Each class has a different set of you know, abilities and strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. If there's one thing I'm most impressed by in this game, it's that <coughs> it's that the way they've managed to make the disguises really, really work. Like, it takes a person acting pretty sus for it to be obvious that any random civilian is a player. Because the civilians just have really good, like, somewhat erratic behavior. Sometimes oh, yeah. random civilians will just randomly start running and then stop. And then just, you know, sometimes <laughs> random civilians will just stand and stare at a wall for a second and then move on. You know what I mean? They, there would be they, times... There's a mixture of normal patterns and also just random erratic patterns across this. Like, to, to, there's a lot of times that you like know that somebody is a player based on how they're acting, and then you shoot them, and then they were an NPC, and you're like, "Fuck, oh yeah, kill the guy." I was watching Sorry. Kurt play, and he would like con consult me on should I shoot this person who's looking extremely oh, yeah, suspicious in their movement, and I'd be like, "Go for it." What could, what's the worst that could happen? And he'd me take a Kurt shot, and it would be wrong, and he'd have to scramble to to get away. Yeah. So yeah, the program and the AI is uh, is pretty damn good in terms of how yeah. it tricks you. It's really good. It, it it really works. Um, I've been mostly playing as one operator. Each of the operators have a different passive ability and then a different active ability that changes how they interact with the world and the combat. My my guy, I can shift into civilians, so I don't just take their disguise. I become them, which means that I basically just instantly get a disguise, and that when I leave it, the civilian still exists and wanders about their day. Hmm. Yeah, it's a cool game. I keep saying it, but I, I am going to get it one of these days and play with you guys. I like I watching Kurt. I'm just afraid I like my, might like watching Kurt play more than I like my playing it. <laughs> He's also really good at the game. Guy. Well, You can win like can't... 5v1 firefights. Well, that's the thing. Like, If you're not watching Kurt, playing with Kurt is also a great experience. Like, I'm not saying that me and Alex are playing poorly, because we're not. We're both getting kills and we're doing the job. But, like, having Kurt on your team in a game that has competitive shooting as an element to the gameplay is basically just an instant win. He's already the likeliest to win on his own, so... Yeah, of... absolutely. 
we've had game like we had so many games more more than one where we did the math and realized that we killed every person in the lobby other than ourselves yeah. by between all of our kills. You can do it. But yeah, I'm really enjoying deceiving. And you're not deceiving us about that. Nope. As far as movies and shows go, I got nothing. I've got Barry waiting on me as well as Succession. There's some there there's a friend of mine at work that asks me every day if I've seen Barry. Because they really want somebody to talk about it with. I should just not. Just to fuck with them. And watch it the day after the last episode when they don't care anymore. Hell yeah. You I haven't watched this latest episode yet. I have not seen any TV of meaning. Mo- mostly I've been showing Greg Twin Peaks. Oh, so you've just been fucking around. just been fucking around, dude. Lolly And I've been like, traveling too. Like, how, how did I not have time to watch these shows? I don't know. Got it. You've just been wasting time. Check. Yeah. Yeah. It uh, sounded I like did. you said check, and that made me think that you were asking a nearby waiter for the check, like you're leaving the table. <laughs> yeah, I want the check from all this. Check, I want please. to walk away. I want to walk away. There is a book I'd like to recommend. Ooh. No. I love whenever a book comes up. I was in a. I. I started it on text but I had two seven hour drives that I had to do in a week so I ended up just listening to it on audiobook The City in the City by Ah, Chinese Mayville I finished it it's pretty good the world is insanely cool and weird uh, and really makes your brain tingle and think like man that that was a cool idea The, the actual plot is good, but like you know, it's not revolutionary. It's a pretty straightforward detective story told uh, in a fun, engaging, well way. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just the the setting it's in is something else. It's set in the twin city states of Bejel and Alhuma, which are they occupy the same geographic space. What that would mean <laughs> is that to an American, to an outsider who looks on it, it looks like one city. But to the people inside, there are two cities that are separated um, through naming conventions, architecture, and such. And the people in each city are trained from a very early age to like socially ignore elements of the other city. There's a border somewhere in the middle like that allows you for legal passage between the cities. Beyond that, you are not allowed to see the other city. You know, see in quotes. <laughs> the setting really does somehow seem so right up your alley. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. It's got me really thinking. I feel like I got a lot of uh, creative inspiration for this for some of the things I'm, I'm doing in the RPG space. That's cool. Um. I haven't read any uh any China Miyavo. And this is my first one. Okay, yeah. I was gonna ask, have you have you read like Perdido Street Station or anything? No, that that's high up on my list now though. I really liked his writing. Okay. I'm gonna have to get stuck into that at some have point. Have you read Perdido Street no, Station? No, I've I've read okay. none of his work. I, I if you allow me to indulge yeah, me, me. I think a pretty minor spoiler about the setting. Okay. Um 
he's known for sci-fi, but I think one of the things that this book hits you is like you feel like you're looking for a machine that's doing all this, but like the the book is just really good about describing about how well these borders can exist culturally and uh it, it's like it, it, the book isn't actually a sci-fi book at all if you know what i'm saying it's I it's see. just kind of an alternate world book i'm being a little cagey there and i'm not saying that's a definitive sure. statement you know i'm just saying that like the world makes so much sense um and it gets you thinking a lot like this idea that there is two twin cities i mean it's it's pretty obviously just an exaggerated form of how cities work uh, yes, viewed yeah. from a especially from his lens where i'm pretty sure china mayville was a marxist political scientist uh working at a university before he started writing fiction uh <laughs> that tracks the idea, like, how you don't notice the homeless in any city you're in. They just become part of the background of the city. Right, how you know they have, I mean? like, there's different faces that it can wear based on your social social perception. Right. Your cultural the, perception. The queer live in different cities than most of us. You know what I mean? It, right. There's, there's a lot of parallels you can draw. This is just one where those distinctions are made literal. That makes sense. But the I, I've done a poor job. But like the actual story is about a detective, Theodore Borlu of the Bejel Extreme Crime Squad, which I love that name, the Extreme, Extreme Crime Squad, who's investigating the apparent murder of a woman, an American, uh, who apparently died in Alcuma, but her body was found in Bejel. So there's a suspected breach, which is what happens when one illegally violates the borders between the two cities. When one notices something for too long, that's a breach. But like also when one smuggles shit across, you know, walks down the wrong street, etc. Those can all be a breach. Don't pierce the friggin' veil. And while breaching is illegal in both countries and is enforced by the police... Is also more enforced by a seemingly supernatural organization called the Breach that nobody can see that appears out of the shadows when a breach has occurred. If a car crash happens from Bejel and Alcuma, they will come out of the shadows to clean up the mess and ensure that everybody maintains um, the borders. Uh, and if somebody violates a breach, then... Th who that person tends to disappear into the breach, never to be seen again. So they play that video game into the breach. Yeah, probably. They're forced to play that. Right. I don't know, man. Probably. But as the detective is investigating this murder, he starts to come across evidence that, well, that's not the right way to say it. He starts to learn that this murder may in some way be about conspiracies surrounding a hidden third city called Orsini. Okay. But yeah, that's the city in the city. I recommend it to everybody. 
All right, very cool. Uh, what else? I think that's about it for me. Um, I've got stuff I'd like to say about tabletop RPGs. I don't know if I have a lot of fourth form thoughts right now, but I've been reading some different systems just to kind of like, I don't know, build up my knowledge base about how these things are built. Um, I'll have more to say about that maybe next week. I'll think a little bit more, but just to name a few, I read The Burning Wheel. Which, <laughs> from what I hear, is like a system that uh, nobody ever wants to play. Th- that nobody should play, but everybody should read. Um, <laughs> One of those. Maybe we'll talk about that next week. I don't know. That's, that's it for me. That's well. it for the first half of the Broken Campfire podcast. We'll come back with Flask delivering his roundtable. And then we got a little bit of the news. It's trues. All right, we'll be back. Don't snooze or you'll lose out on the rest of the podcast. This is a question for anyone, I guess, but really, I figure Andy would be the one if anyone... Uh, oh have boy. any of you ever watched Babylon 5? No, I feel like it's like one of those things on my list that's just always sitting on the list. That's yeah. always been on the list. The same yeah. exact thing with me. Yeah. Like in, in the same place on the list, maybe even. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Same. Why do you ask? The reason I ask is because uh, apparently it's getting an animated movie. Now that could be interesting. I think it's especially interesting just because, like, when was that? When was that show? Early two like, thousands. Is this like Western 2000s? animation, right? Like, uh, yeah, I guess it would be because, uh, you know, J. Michael Straczynski, the creator. Um, you know, that's cool. He announced it. Uh, that hits me in a spot where, like, I don't have any feelings about Babylon Five, but. It's kind of cool. I, I'm always happy to see when long-form Western animation be- happens outside of the Disney-Pixar sphere. Not that I have anything against Disney or Pixar movies inherently. You know what I mean? Just, uh... Yeah. It's nice. There's usually a different vibe to it. Like, that, like when, that's uh, one of the things I liked Invincible. Or about I was, Invincible. I, mean. I was gonna bring that up. I was gonna say Invincible. Yeah. yeah, I have the same feeling. Even though I also really like Invincible as a property, but... Yeah. Yes. That's coming this year, right? Season two? Uh, yeah. I think so. Did we even get a trailer? I feel like we might have. There was a trailer release. I, I don't think I watched it. Late 2023. Apparently, a reboot series of Babylon 5 was announced for the CW. Uh, a couple years back, but nothing about that since. Oh, never mind. This this is not a a true trailer. This is just a teaser of Mark talking to Alan. <laughs> it's funny. I know Straczynski more from his non Babylon Five work, even though I think that's the thing that put him on the map. Like I've I've seen. Several movies that he's worked on, and I've read comics that he's worked on, stuff like that. 
I don't think I know much uh, of him. He appears here and there. I also saw an article that was like talking about how good the Creature Commando show is supposed to be. But it's just like, it's not even an article. It's just like quoting the creators of the show saying that the show is good. It's not, it's not like an opinion piece and it's not that the show is out. It's not like a review of any sort because the show is not out yet. And that's, that was my confusion because I thought I was like, wait, is that show out already? But it's just like, it's nothing. It's like puff from the, the people who are making the, the thing, the product. When does that show come out? I hate that's like my least favorite kind of shit about the internet in 2023. Oh, yeah. Just like being flooded with season two it will be the most badass yet. And the <laughs> article is just a, a link to like a tweet from the from one of the writers or something. Yeah, yeah says right. who? Oh, oh, the oh says the people it. who are invested in me believing this. Okay. Monetarily. Uh, reputationally <laughs> exactly it's just uh, so we're getting flooded with so much shit content and, and not nearly enough Twin Peaks welcome back alright seriously welcome really yeah yeah. I'm just being polite for the listeners you know, my parents would call that person in welcome really you knew that. That's insane. No, you knew that. Welcome, Flask, to your Not round it. table. And welcome Thanks, us oh. with a welcoming message of the last week come. What? That was fun. That was fun. <laughs> what? We come. I don't want to... Uh, never mind. You want to know what I've done recently? Oh, that works too. Yeah. Okay. Um, I saw a film in theaters. I saw Evil Dead Rise last week. Nice. Covering the ones I missed. Very good. Very good. <laughs> you got to get that coverage on the podcast crew. Um, we spread out. Yes. Out uh, the yeah. You go to if I can. And you know, you can tell me offline. Tell me right. Offline. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you know. Um. So yeah, the latest Evil Dead film, I guess the last one was the 2013 one. Um, but since the 2013 one, one, there's been Ash vs. Evil Dead, the show. I did uh, see the show. Yeah, the show's good. So positives oh, about Evil Dead Rise first. Everything technical that the filmmakers set out to do, I think was executed pretty well. Um, so the cinematography, the effects the direction, all of that stuff was realized about as well as it could have been for their vision, I would say. So it's like, it's, it's well-made as a, as a horror film, as a movie, whatever. Um, negatives would be that it's oddly a very bog standard horror movie. Um, trying very hard and it's too grounded for its own good, I think. So it doesn't feel too much like an Evil Dead entry, aside from like some token callbacks to, to Evil Dead franchise. So I think what's missing is like a sense of a sense of humor, 
a sense of camp. Uh, and I understand really? that, that camp can be hard to organically manifest when you actually have a budget and, you know, standards to hit. But uh, that, to me, is what made the, uh, the original three movies and the show identifiable as Evil Dead, the humor and the camp. Um, Certainly. I forget if the 2013 movie I was, gonna say, I was any like better in that regard. I that lose it a little bit. It did. It definitely was more grounded, more like a traditional horror movie. Kind of yeah, lost from the what I, like I said, I didn't see it, but that's what I remember at least being advertised as very serious. It definitely was. I don't remember whether I liked that one better than this one. Um, I think I may have seen that in a group too, or maybe not. But uh, like, so the impression I think I had from the 2013 one, one was better. But I don't know if that's for good reason or not, you know. Um, and this one was okay. But uh, what I'm hoping now is that this is not a part of a string of kachunk uh assembly line possession movies that that claim they're evil dead and sort of erase what the evil dead brand was um because based on comments that uh that Raimi and Campbell have said we might be getting indefinite evil dead sequels now so I'm hoping that this is not a harbinger of like really uncreative. Yeah. Uncreative anthology mm-hmm. Evil Dead branded horror films that are just possession movies, like generic possession movies. Um and it's like it's not to say that there there isn't anything in this movie. There's certainly um they're certainly trying, they're certainly going for something, but it's not it's not like enough. It's not uh it's not wacky enough i guess i don't know i don't know but anyway if you want a lot of go uh, a lot of gore that's like technically well done well rendered check it out because definitely has that uh, i don't really recommend it too much otherwise but like if you're just looking for a horror movie that's technically well made and has a bunch of gore safe bet you know okay and also cool. the name is just Evil Dead Rise. I hate whenever titles use Rise. Rise. It's just so Uh, boring. Yeah. I understand, actually, in retrospect, after you watch the movie, it's it's actually a play on words, but (laughs) it's still not great as a as a title goes. Um Is there is there a character in it named (laughs) Rise? Like a Japanese character named Rise? Yeah. Or something like that. Not that I remember. I could have missed somebody <laughs> in the back, perhaps. Uh, yeah. As for uh, game play, I am finally playing The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Uh, finally gotten around to it, harpooning one of my white whales. Um, wow, that's so cool, dude. I actually just just now spoiled myself on Tears of the Kingdom stuff. Oh, sick. <laughs> yeah, there's leaks out there. Be careful, people. Yeah, there sure is, isn't there? That sucks. Um, Yeah, I've managed to avoid spoil. I, I have a pretty good track record of avoiding, avoiding spoilers for things that I'm sure that one day I'm going to play or watch or whatever. For like years, I can just <laughs> I can just tune out of things. So I I really had not known too much about Breath of the Wild, 
aside from a generic impression of like an open world Zelda game. Um, I love that game. That game's awesome. Yeah. um, So yeah, it's funny that the game has been out six years and I'm just now pulling the trigger on it. Mere weeks before the sequel comes out. That's May 12th. Um, Not afraid you're going to get burnt out in the, you know, the kind of that is a legitimate the concern adventure. for sure that's a legitimate concern um i i think i might just roll right into tears of the kingdom if i can handle that if i can uh maintain it's two large enthusiasm. open world games in a row yeah yeah um it, it's an well, experiment for sure similar gameplay obviously you're gonna have oh yes yes um so we'll see uh but i do plan to play tears of the kingdom soon enough so we'll, you know, hopefully I can, I can. We'll have, we'll have a nice talk on that when that happens. Yes, of course. Uh, so, ha- but for now it's Breath of the Wild. Uh, how's right. it going? How's, yeah, how's I guess your I'm, adventure? I guess I'm playing it like while it's, now that it's back in the public consciousness, I'm like, I'm like in the, in the groove of it. Um, it's, it's really quite a fun game. Like you said, Greg, uh, obviously so much stuff to do. Uh, which is, you know, can be both positive and negative in ways, just because there's the sheer abundance of things to do in the world. But it's it's certainly the most expansive feeling Legend of Zelda by far. Nobody would, I don't, I don't think anybody would doubt that. Um, Have you done any of the uh, Divine Beasts yet? I am two down, so I'm like two, a, a fair way into the game. Two down. Which uh, which ones you take down? I did. Uh, Oh man, the the names by the way are really hard to remember in this game. Both of the, like the the divine beasts, the the random name names, place names, stuff like that. There's so many names, and they're all just kind of like oh yeah. Words, all I remember shrines. is one of them's called like Vondaboris, and that's the only one I could ever remember. <laughs> I did the um, I did the um, oh my god, the what are the fucking fish people called? I can't. I'm blanking. Zora. I did the Zora one and the Goron one, so far oh, in that nice. order. Uh, I'm kind of going like counter. Or sorry, I'm going clockwise. God damn it! I'm going counterclockwise around the map, basically, from like the the bottom center, sort of. Gotcha, gotcha. So you're just gonna end up looping around. Yes. So you're going. So your next stop's the. Uh, desert then or i think i think the desert's in the southwest so i guess i would be like i think the bird people the the ruto yeah the, you're on yeah you go to the birds and then you yeah cool yeah I'm, um, uh, I'm i'm very excited that you're playing that i love like i said it's a very good fun game oh for sure um so obviously with the you know the the expansiveness comes the <laughs> basically cribbing from the ubisoft formula uh in both you know the the way it handles like the the expansion of the, or the exploration of the map with the towers and everything and the the key locations but also sort of like the the busy work that you might have to do across that map um but you also get what i admired so much in elden rings later success which is that there's something to do in just about every corner of the world if you choose to explore every corner, you know? Um, right. And in this game, climbing 
and gliding really opens you up to do so because it's like gives you more movement options. You're not uh, you're not tethered. <laughs> um, so with all that being said, I think it probably has the best sense of adventure. If you want to capitalize those words, sense of adventure uh, of any Zelda game since uh, maybe the very first. I mean, I think that's what it's sort of emulating just way, way modernized version. Um, that feeling of like a, a, a genuinely open world that is yours to explore at whim. So it really that's, does feel like really that. really cool. Um, and the, the downside of that is, of course, the pacing is like whatever the player makes of it. So sometimes it doesn't have the, the sort of tight uh, curated direction and the beats of a more traditional Zelda experience. So that's, you know, that is what you make of it. But um, I think I do... I do find a, a, a pleasure in the way that most Zelda games prior to this one had like curated their experience. Um, and I think that's, I think that doesn't deserve to be lost in time. You know, I, I prefer um, traditional Zelda dungeons to the shrines by far. Um, and that's just a consequence of them being of proper dungeons being like, curated experiences that the developers put time and effort into to really like uh sink home whatever theme is going on in that particular dungeon whatever tools you have for that one uh whatever kind of enemies or puzzles you face um and the shrines are much more uh prevalent abundant and uh they each have their own little little puzzle thing going on but it gets a little <laughs> a little bit samey but it's okay it gets um, pretty dang samey. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to dunk too much on it, but it is. There's a lot of them, and um, it's just not the fun level of of actual dungeons. But that's the way that you upgrade your health and uh, stamina. So you you are definitely encouraged, incentivized to uh, to do those. But I do hope the formula doesn't necessarily stay this way forever beyond Tears of the Kingdom. Because I think that Legend of Zelda is one of the few remaining bastions of like fairly straightforward adventure gameplay, or it was, you know, prior to Breath of the Wild. I don't um, know if this is. I mean, it's okay to talk about light things we've heard about Tears of the Kingdom. I mean, I'd rather not because I just I've managed to just keep away from anything, and I am going okay. to play it soon. I don't want to like put a damper no, on you're good. something you're interesting good. that you'd have to say. No, no, no. It, it's re related to this, but uh, okay, I, I, I don't feel it's worth that ex uh, messing with that experience if you're looking forward. Okay, to. yeah, I do wonder what uh, what what is coming, what is forthcoming, upcoming with uh, the way that they might have taken the lessons of Breath of the Wild six years ago and and uh, interpreted that for a sequel game. Especially because it was supposed to be an expansion originally, right? And then became a full game. Was that the case? Am I mixing that up with something else? Oh, uh, I'm not 100% about that. Okay. Uh, I know that is the meme that oh. uh, <laughs> Breath of Tears of the Kingdom is just like $70 DLC. Right. But then, you know, people are saying now like, oh my god, this, this is it. And all game. that nonsense. Uh, but yeah, isn't I prefer it, like a. Wait, is that, say what you're saying. I was just gonna say, isn't it insane that Tears of the Kingdom is available to play right now on PC before 
it's even officially released to the Nintendo Switch. Like I, the next big yeah, I've Zelda seen game uh, gameplay of it on the PC, like pictures of it trying to run, and it, I think it's on my right. I think I think I'll, I'll handle it. No, wait for the official I'm release. Not, I'm not saying there's a dunk. It's just like insane that this is where we gotten as a gaming culture with technology. Yeah, and stuff. that it happened. That yeah. it's like yeah, this now. It's pretty nuts. Uh, but I was gonna say, yeah, I I I personally prefer like a simple set of equipment that you unlock as the game progresses. Obviously, uh, no weapon degradation. I just always dislike weapon degradation, no matter how much it like fits for the experience. I just never like it. Um, and the amount of puzzles, as I said, like with the shrines, is impressive. Um, but there was there was definitely something about the purposeful design of puzzles. In previous games. Are you going to collect uh, all 300 Korok seeds? Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> I I try, wherever I go in the world, I try to uncover suspicious, excuse me, suspicious yeah, looking ha, ha. places. You found me. Like, if I see a circle of rocks, I know I'm going to go over there, you know, and put a rock in the circle and unlock the Korok. If I see a weird looking tree standing on its own somewhere, a big one, I will, you know, run up the tree and there's sometimes there's a Korok up there. Stuff like that, you know. I'll 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 go out of my way a little bit to uh, investigate, but I have no intention of basically either scouring myself or consulting a guide or anything like that. I don't scouring the entire world. For to be fair, I don't even know what the fuck they're for yet. I haven't gotten that far. In oh the game, really? Don't spoil me. Oh shit. But, <laughs> but uh, I don't know what they're for yet. But even with even once I get that knowledge, I know that I'm still not going to be. In that place where I'm mentally prepared to start scouring for Ooh, I'm, I'm interested to hear what you have to say when you find out what they're used for. Okay. Okay. Looking forward to it then. Um, I love the Koroks. They're awesome. I've loved them. And yeah. They're awesome in Wind Waker. They, that's where they originated from. For, yeah. I think they're they a fun in Waker. creature. A, a fun, like, um, being yeah, to have in the game. Gross little kind tree root men. Different from uh, Rubber Forehead Alien. Like uh, like the, I mean, I've always liked the Zora designs, but um, I guess the I guess every I like, design is um, pretty distinct. Gora, don't even get me started. The Zora, what about the Zora? <laughs> I no, love sorry, the Zora, you said not to get you started. Yeah, don't get me started on it. <laughs> They're very sleek and aerodynamic in the water. They're supple skin. Okay. Um. Oh, anyway, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I would hope that somehow they they eventually like after Tears of the Kingdom sort of remerge the uh, the more concentrated worlds and like equipment setup with with the expansive like aspirations that this game and uh, and its sequel have. So I don't want to limit the wonder from here on, but uh, maybe just make it feel as purposeful as it used to. I, I do. I did always like that. That that was always like an appealing aspect of the Zelda games. Anyway. That's enough about Breath of the Wild. It's been a long time. Oh, uh, one more thing. Everything that's been uh, just real quick yeah. for Breath of the Wild. Uh, did you get the DLC, or do you have the DLC? I was planning to play the story DLC that you can get. I don't know. Uh, oh, with the uh, gotcha, gotcha. Not the tr- I, the Trial of Sword. There's is two just DLCs. Like there's uh, yeah, there's the one that's story that DLC, and the other one in. is a hundred trials in the Master Sword. And uh, if you do it, you get like you upgrade the master sword, basically. Right, but the other DLC is a story thing, right? There's it actually, yes, actually is a story. You, okay. it's uh, yeah, 
it's all about like uh more like memories and whatnot and the gotcha. f- and the final trial okay i do also plan to play at some point i was just kind of waiting i guess till after the breath of the wilds for me i do plan on playing hyrule warriors age of calamity age of calamity um <laughs> just because i always I like the age dinosaur warriors games uh i like i, most, lo- I like games. yeah I don't know what um, it is though, but it's just every. I think it's a switch curse where I have a game and I'm like, dude, this is cool. I play it once and then I immediately stop playing it. Oh, huh. Wonder why that is. Do you net? Do you yeah, like? Did do you ever tend to like take it out of the dock and go portable, or just like? No, not really. You don't like that. Okay. Yeah, I kind of just keep it in there. All right. I feel like th- I feel like Hyrule Warriors would be a pretty good game for that taking it on the go or t- mm-hmm. just like taking it out and playing it, you know, comfy place. Something sure. like that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I do know the age of calamity is what, like a prequel to breath of the wild. That is a, uh, yeah, it's like a, uh, like a side story. Cause it, it involves like the origins of, well, calamity. <laughs> so, so I, I probably will end up playing those. Anywho. That's the deal. That's and that's, that's all I'm going to talk about right now. Okay, Breath of the Wild. Yep. Let's move on to the news. News, 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 news. News. Let's go. News. Thanks, Greg. News. Vampire Survivors is going to receive an animated TV adaptation because, as the creator says, it's always been about the story. That's it. Can you have a story? <laughs> what an amazing mm-hmm. quote. The most important He's thing in Vampire Survivors is sure, the story. Right? So it's a dream come true to see what started a little indie game of Amanda Lincoln's come to life as an animated TV show. He, I, is I don't that like know. AI he, generated? No, that's him. It has to be. I mean, I feel like, I feel like he's he's doing this with a shit eating grin, but he's saying, he's saying it in an honest enough way that like, that doesn't seem to be how Deadline is interpreting it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Could be. Um, where, where is this going to be again? Do they know? Or do we know? Uh, let's see. Was it Netflix? Uh, Amazon. Amazon, okay. Amazon. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what you would make of this. And I, I haven't played the game, but I, even I know. I don't know what you would make of this. Apparently Story Kitchen is producing it. I don't know who they are. It sounds familiar. Every episode is a character's run, and then at the end they just get killed. John Wick, uh, writer, creator, Sonic the Hedgehog producer, uh, formed Story Kitchen last fall. Oh, okay. I probably saw some news about that formation. Uh, Apparently the game is set in 2021 in rural Italy. What? There lived an evil person named Visconti Draculo, whose many evil magics created a bad world filled with famine and suffering. And it's now up to the members of the Belpaese Bel- family to end his reign of terror and return good food to the table. Okay, so, like, I know it's been said ad nauseum at this point, but Diet Castlevania. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, it's literally that. It's Diet yeah. Castlevania. It's... A family of people whose name starts with B going after Dracula. 
<laughs> so what do I keep hearing about there being no vampires in the game, though? Are there no vampires in the game? Is that a joke? True. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I've killed a vamp. I've definitely killed bats, which are assumedly are vampires in, <laughs> in disguise. Form. I mean, there's literally. Uh, I mean, okay. I don't know what to make of that quote because there are things that look like vampires that will certainly attack you and you kill them. All right. Maybe I got memed. I to think. I don't know. Well, I'm thinking that I can. I can picture skeleton enemies. I can picture mummies. Picture. Zombies. I don't know if I can actually picture a. They're not, dude. Vampire. On the levels, they're the big guys. Like, they'll drop the ring. Or, like, the stuff you need. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. But are they? I thought they were just, like, wizards or something. Are they? I mean, I've always interpreted those as vampires. I don't know now. Yeah, I guess. Probably have to go to the the Vampire Survivors wiki and look up all the enemy pages. If those guys aren't vampires, then yes, it is true. There's no vampires in the game. That is pretty funny. There's one on the cover. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's a Bisconte Dracula obviously ah yes Bisconte the Microsoft Activision merger was blocked by the CMA to protect innovation and choice in cloud gaming so I've heard further like thank god um, mutterings about this like maybe not being held with uh upheld but also like that if it is upheld that it'll i don't know i saw like a hundred year figure i don't i don't know what the hell's been going on <laughs> what's been going on with this this is i i don't know a whole lot of the story but um what you're referring to is that this is not the end of the merger this is a regulatory roadblock where the CMA, right. which is like the U, it's the UK's uh, competition and markets authority, uh, found that this would harm com- competition if they allow this merger to go through. But that doesn't mean so, that the merger can't go through. That means that they have concerns that Microsoft has to answer. Okay, I see. So, what does it mean when, like, a uh... I feel like a dumbass asking this question, but what does it mean when a UK regulatory body uh, raises a concern with a with an American company merger? Like, what is the responsibility there? Well, they have a presence in the UK, so I think right. that, that I, they're would, an international company. Right. I think that it would get messy because I think that if they were to go through with the merger anyway, it would mean that those two things would have to exist as completely separate entities in the UK. Right. So, realistically, for an international company, like, they can't move forward unless they have agreement across the board and all the markets they're interested in. You know what I mean? Yeah, get it. Cross all your T's and dot all your I's so that everything is hunky-dory. And so, like, the reason for this was you alluded to it, but like specifically about cloud gaming. Um, like that they would hold some sort of what, like a monopoly over, over like cloud gaming services or something like that. Cause it's like, it's supposed to be an expansive growing market. Their claim is that Microsoft medium. already controls 60 to 70% of activity on cloud gaming services. If they were to acquire a get, 
as big and powerful as Activision, they would um, lock those onto their services and get into monopoly level territories of global gaming, global cloud gaming service market share. Right. Okay. So because of like uh, their properties, like uh, they list them here, like Call of Duty, Overwatch, uh, World of Warcraft, the things that Activision Blizzard has like control over, the things that they do. There's enough market evidence to the CMA that those things are significant enough to move the needle enough that it would yeah. become too anti-competitive. Okay. And we'll see how that goes. I mean, yeah, just kind of for me, just kind of interesting. You know what I mean? A topic of interest, yes. Uh, so I have not watched this trailer, and I know nothing about it other than it's coming. But the Golden Idol is getting a DLC. Um, Golden Idol Mysteries: The Spirit of Lanka. Do you know anything about this flask? Uh, well, the trailer I I watched it. Um, I think it's mostly like a sort of a recap of the first game. I don't think it, it divulges too much about the uh, the, the DLC. Uh, it's coming out. Uh, well, the day of this podcast release, May fourth. Yeah. Um, I don't know anything about it. I haven't looked into it. I'm I'm probably gonna play it. I liked Golden Idol, the mystery of the Golden Idol, or whatever it was called in full. I'm seeing um, on the scene pages three scenarios. Three scenarios. Okay. Like, like okay, like the yeah, so I imagine original like, game, the base game had what, five or twelve. How many did it have? Twelve. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, you, of course. Sorry, 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 sorry. I'm mixing up language. It had like three or four. I don't know how many of the games split it up into, but there are twelve chapters. I was right the first time. A chapter in a scenario. <laughs> okay. So yes. The original game had 12 scenarios, and these are three scenarios that I presume will be part of one chapter. Okay. All right. I think think the only thing I saw, now that I uh, recall, is that it's supposed to detail the origins of the Golden Idol itself, or like something That's what I'm seeing now on the Steam page. Begins in 1741, one year before the first scenario in the Golden Idol. And uncovers the awful origins of this five-decade tale of betrayal, greed, ambition, and death. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, fun that it's getting a DLC. Yeah. And pretty, pretty quickly. Didn't the game come out just like a few months ago? Yeah, I think so, right? But I guess, uh, you know, not for nothing, the game probably doesn't take a long time to make. Or a few scenarios don't take a lot, a lot of time to make, especially if you already have the yeah, idea true. sauce. You know what I mean? This game came out in October, so this is about six or seven months later. That's a pretty reasonable time. Oh right, okay. It what I remember. Okay, when we talked about it, it was longer ago than I thought that it was released. I th- yeah, I think I picked it up in January. Mm-hmm. Neat. Yeah, I'm excited for this. Wait, how much? Oh, something just on the same page. How much is this thing? Five dollars, probably. I don't know. Uh, it costs some amount. It's of... not even listed yet. The price. Oh, is it? Okay. It's it's not. Yeah. Okay. EA Star Wars Jedi Survivor was made in record time. 
It's insane shit, how, so how quickly this game was made. It's very impressive. This comes to us from Jason Schreier. Um, uh, was made during a pandemic in roughly three years. Half the time it takes to produce many of today's big games. I mean, I think, I feel like, I, I guess because of the pandemic, that's like the impressive point. Is that supposed to be the impressive point? I think so. But I feel like three years is like reasonable maybe for even for a triple a game i feel like that's a reasonable normal length getting, of production i think it's getting kind of funny with the numbers because like three years of actually programming during art and recording voices and stuff makes sense but there's a lot there's a long head in front of that you know what i mean like leading into yes. that like you got to do a lot of work on the upfront of designing scoping you know research whatever word you all want the pre-production use. yeah pre-production can take a year or two at least so like i think oh, the yeah. figure you're talking about is like five or six years uh if you include all of like pre-production through to release is the figure i've seen toted on around a lot about AAA game development like rock, rock like red dead 2 took five years for example or six years true even. yeah okay i i always associate that but that's why I was saying he's maybe playing kind of funny with the numbers because, like, maybe they had a feeling that they were going to be making a sequel and they were able to scope out a lot of what that might look like during the development of Fallen Order. So it's not really been just three years. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. who knows? I mean, things ruminating during the production of the original game could definitely be uh, reincorporated. Yeah. And he might also be playing funny with those numbers because uh, Jedi Survivor has terrible performance issues and was sitting at mostly negative on Steam at launch. But, so, but, but, oh boy, maybe they cut some corners. <laughs> but I love the I love the juxtaposition of this article that we were just reading. Yeah, about I, the, I the time saying like EA is looking at Star Wars Jedi Survivor to bounce back from a rocky stretch, and like. Uh, um, it's just like that is set to be a hit. <laughs> Could be a hit. And then, like the very next bit of news about Jedi Survivor is that it's just performing terribly. Yeah, right. Everyone's saying so. I mean, for what it's worth, from what I hear, it's a good game. So, like, eventually, yeah. it will it will definitely be something worth playing. But yeah, it's just that I was. I was probably going to play it like sooner rather than later until the all tavern. the news hit. Yeah. It's it's not great. <laughs> it's a really unfortunate. And I mean, do we put that on EA because they're like you know, taskmasters that they wanted it released before it was finished or something? I guess do we not I don't think we really know depends. too much about it yet. And did they come to them and say, hey, we're done with the game already? Or or were they just like, hey, we need it done at this time? I mean, yeah. the the instinct is to pin it on the executive. EA is an easy like boogeyman, to be fair. The publisher. Yeah, exactly. And it's not just performing badly on PC either. It's like there also has it also has problems on consoles. So yeah. it's uh it's a messy situation. It's around. a stinker, that's for sure. I hope it improves, though. I hope they eventually get it to a stable place. I mean, they got to, and and they will. Like they got a third game they're already working on. I think 
Um, hmm. Yeah, they 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 got they got to fix it. I think so. Even Arkham Knight got fixed after a horrific launch. That is true. Even Cyber. <laughs> Sorry, what was that? It's, they're still working on the patch. Oh, okay. Citizen Sleeper developers are working on a new project. There's no other information than that. Bleep. Oh, John sleeping? Because yeah, of that sleep news? Citizen Sleeper. I see. I'm excited. Very clever. Excited to hear more. I thought Citizen Sleeper was a great game. That apparently has had three DLCs since I played it. So I gotta... Yeah. And they're all free DLCs. I know you played the first one. You really liked it. Honestly, I just forgot. Like, it, it's one of those things I where same, after dude. the first DLC, it kind of entered into that, okay, now I'm done with it, and it's no longer in my, like, uh, <laughs> in the Periphery. forefront of my... Yeah. of my uh, Yeah, exactly. It's no longer in the forefront of, like, what I'm thinking about at any given time. Uh, it's no longer in the current stable of games that I'm considering. So I just completely forgot about this in the second and third DLCs. But it, I think it was great that they were free. Um... Yeah, and really cool. I might, you know, in a in a while, do another run maybe, and then complete the DLCs then. Um, but I was kind of as for what they are. Okay, as for because it like it's the, a great kind of DLC for that in that they are just story editions that can be incorporated into the gameplay of a of a a run, you know. Yeah. So that's nice. Hey, if you're out there still, just want to say thanks. Appreciate you joining us. If you're not sleeping. If you're not citizen sleeping, you know what I'm saying? Uh, they know what you're saying. Wake Dude, up, John. I... Dude, I can't wait until this podcast is over and I don't have to pretend to like that game. <sighs> Same. <laughs> Man. Oh, shit, we're still... Not really, though. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Um. Vito, if you're listening to this, I there's no words I have for the betrayal that I'm suffering uh, every day because of what you've done. Uh, and it, it goes beyond the pale. It's a bell that can't be unrung. It's it's it, it it's even further beyond. Just and like I, Super Saiyan 3. Yeah. yeah. It's the Super Saiyan 3 of betrayals, quite honestly. Yeah. So, to everybody out there except for Vito, good night. Thanks for joining us. We'll, we'll see you next week. Um, most, most importantly, chill out. Vito, you can listen to that last one. <laughs> that feels like condescending to our listeners you know wake <laughs> up out, everybody stop listening wake up please wake up